the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a simple command, one that is a challenge to every human being who's ever lived and whoever will live. Call upon the Lord. Romans 10 receives our attention today, verses 8 through 13. Join us. Whether you believe it or not, the fact of the matter is there is a need for every person on the planet to be saved, saved from our sin, saved from the penalty and the punishment of sin and the presence of sin soon to be. Welcome to Abounding Grace from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, online at reformedheritage.org. We're continuing our look at Romans chapter 10 today, verses 8 through 13, Pastor Gary has simply titled the message today, Call Upon the Lord. Here's Gary and today's program. What did you believe? You stammer and nothing comes out. Now we've all been there. I've been there. It's miserable. I hate myself for it. But we have God's promise. And this is what we forget. We do not only have his promise of righteousness, but we have his promise to help us to help make us give this confession. Turn to example, Matthew chapter 10, verses 19 and 20. Now, admittedly, this passage has a very specific reference to the first group of disciples, the 12 that he speaks of at the beginning of the chapter. But it certainly has a general application to us. Verse 19 of Matthew 10. When they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you may speak. For it shall be given to you at the same hour what you shall speak. For it is not you who speaks, but the Spirit of your Father that speaketh in you. What a promise. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead gives you the words to speak. You know, it's funny. Peter said... I can do it. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you, Jesus. And what did he do? He denied the Lord. I mean, he was fine blustering among friends. But when it mattered the most, I don't know him. With no stammering or studying, just right out, I don't know him. But the Lord Jesus, who trusted in his Father who trusted in his father's promises that very same moment when Peter was denying, he was giving the good confession. Why is this? Because it is not just God that says, I make you righteous, but I give you my son. Now go out there and tell people. And you better feel guilty if you don't. He says, I'm making you a promise because I know none of you like to be hated 
I know none of you are just going to go out there and of your own self be bold and courageous because you do get embarrassed. So how do I begin to share this? And so God says, listen, take your eyes off yourself and look at my promise. Whoever believes in him shall not be ashamed. In Greek, there the word is very clear. Ashamed, embarrassed, being sheepish. So do we want to be courageous? Do we want to be bold? Then we must trust God's promise. We have the guarantee that if we abide in Christ and we meditate on his promise to us, we will have calm minds and steady hearts. And we will be able to speak a word for our Lord when the opportunity presents itself. So, if we want to have the wisdom of soul winners, or maybe we would like to be freer in speaking of God's mercy, remember His promise. I always think that's the best place for us to start. When you go out into the world, In my experience, I don't try to convince people of predestination. In fact, I don't think I have ever talked to an unbeliever about predestination. I don't even try to convince them to come to our church. Many times I don't even tell them that I'm a pastor because given right now in history, it just confuses people because there is so much rank ignorance out there. But people can understand on some level, let me tell you how God forgave my sins and how filthy I was. And to bear witness to the righteousness of God and the blood of Christ and the hope of the gospel. Those are the three things the Spirit is continuously doing. Convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, as God said in John 16. So do we want to do that more? Then we're going to have to walk with the Lord Jesus, are we not? Because faith in Him, communion with Him, feeds confession with the words. Now it's not just for us. It's for all men, verse 12, that this confession needs to be made. He says there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. Now it is true that God's original promise of righteousness was given to the Jews and they rejected it and they crucified the Lord of glory. And therefore, they forfeited all the privileges that they had been enjoying. But God has a remnant within those people, as Paul has already said, and he has a mass of Gentiles he plans to save. Now, there are many things that may separate Jews and Gentiles. And there are tons of differences within Jewishness and within the Gentile world. There are tons of things that split up and divide the human race. But the commonality of our need of a Savior is far greater than all of those other differences combined. Because we all will stand in need of a Savior. Or do stand in need of a Savior. And there's only one mediator between God and man, only one. So all must call upon his name or be lost forever. 
the race of mankind once had un unity in Adam, but we lost it, praise God, and we forfeited it. Where is it regained? Well, there's a lot of talk about unity and peace and the United Nations, but my friends, there is no peace for the wicked. There is peace and unity to be found only in submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he is the one Lord of every man and of every nation. Remember this. We may have a certain pride in our race, comfort, preference for people that are like us. And that is to be expected. But that shouldn't ever make us forget that we all stand on the same plane before Almighty God, certain to be lost, and all our various culture heritages burned up in hell forever, unless there is faith and repentance to the Lord Jesus Christ. So this should define as Christians our understanding and perspective on the races not skin color, not economics, not racial or political differences, none of those things. We must not be separatist, and we must not be elitist. We must be like the apostles say, there is no difference, and see this life in terms of the eternal veritas, the truth. There are no differences. We all had a common head in Adam, and unless we have a common head in Christ, we are all condemned forever. By the way, that's one of the reasons why there's so much race baiting today, both blacks and whites. That is the reason why there is even the rise of hypernationalism in many places of the world. Because until men bow before Jesus Christ, they will latch onto anything to give them a sense of identity and belonging. Such things as even body piercing and tattoos and cultural traditions and, of course, skin color. All of these things are nothing. We all stand in need of saving or we will be lost forever. So Paul says there is no difference. And then notice his addition. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. So the gospel goes forth to all these nations, men and women, as John says, of every tongue and tribe and people who repent and believe the gospel. Now, I want to mention two things to you. Verse 11, where the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. In Isaiah 28, the original quote there, Lord is included, and it is Yahweh. But notice here, it is applied to the Lord Jesus. And the same thing in verse 13. Whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be saved. What was the original word for the Lord in Hebrew? It was Yahweh. And now it is applied to the Lord Jesus Christ. This makes the cultists mad. Don't ever listen to them. Jesus is not the first and greatest creation of God. He's not an almost God. He is one with the Father eternally in power and glory. And there is a very, very simple reason why this must be. Because if he was only a man, even an exalted man, even if he were somehow a perfect man, 
even a man who was adopted into godness, we are all going to hell because men can't save other men. The best man in the world could not save any other man. This is one of the most practical reasons for defending the deity of Christ against all the cults and all the Socinians and all the liberals within Protestantism. Because he, if he is not the God-man, every single man, woman, and child is going to hell. And you and I right now are just wasting our time here. Because there is then no salvation. But you see, that's not the truth. These people believe the lies. And that's why many of them are dying out. The truth is that the same Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, is rich in mercy, able to hear, able to save. And why is this? Because he is not just a man. He is the eternal Lord. And he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to the Father through him. But notice there, we must call on him. This richness, this willingness to hear, this abundance of goodness and truth and mercy and power is freely available. No one here today who calls upon the name of the Lord will ever be lost. But we must come. We must call upon Him. We must call upon Him as He has revealed Himself in Scripture. The Jews called upon Him, but they wanted a political Savior. And Jesus said, See ya. Many within conservative Christianity today want the same thing. But the Lord doesn't want us to use Him to accomplish our goals. This is not the kind of Savior He is. We must confess that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, and we must call upon him as such. That means we must confess ourselves to be filthy in his sight, unable to save ourselves. We must consider ourselves to be leprous. Lord Jesus, you are the one who can save us, not because you are some kind of sentimental savior, but because you are the God-man. You are the mediator. You are the one who is clothed in our nature, able to sympathize, dead for us on the cross, but you are also eternally the one true God and together the one Christ. And you are able to save all those who call upon you. So we have to come to him like the bleeding woman. She spent everything she had like we do philosophers and educators and politicians and cosmetics and electronics looking for something to save us and, you know, make our lives better. But there is nothing. There is nothing. There is only one Savior, and He is rich. He is abundant. He is merciful. He will open up to you all of His storehouses of grace and love and truth and heaven. But you must ask Him. You must call upon him. You must believe that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek and come to him. And that's why Paul concludes with verse 13, which is from Joel 2.32. For whosoever, for, whoso, for whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, Joel originally gave this promise 
looking forward to the day of Pentecost. The Jews didn't completely understand this, but we now do. Read Acts 2 this evening. Peter used this verse there, Joel 2.32, and the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out, he says. He's coming. He is going to be the sign of that the Son of God in, is in heaven at the Father's right hand. And that is what Peter preached at Pentecost. Who did he originally preach this to? Many of the same group of people who 40, years, who 40 days previously had been shouting out, crucify him, crucify him. The Jews, of course. If ever a people deserved to be completely excluded for any help of salvation, it was those who killed the Lord of glory. And yet God is rich in his mercy. And Peter preached Christ crucified, raised and reigning. And they heard. And God opened their hearts. They were caught to the quick, Luke says in his record. They were utterly dumbfounded, reduced to nothing, and they called out, What must we do to be saved? And Peter said, Believe on the Lord Jesus. And that day thousands were converted. Thousands were saved. And that same call still goes out today. There's nothing special today. I increasingly feel that much of our lives are set up around artificial expectations, artificial standards of living. We've heard everything. There's nothing new, nothing new under the sun. Everyone is looking for something to scratch that itch of discontentment that we all seem to have. I've got to find it. Somewhere, someone, somehow, there is in this American jaundiced, burned out, consumeristic, it's got to be my way or the highway philosophy. There has to be something, maybe even including religion, that will appeal to me on my terms. Beloved, there is nothing. Oh, there is a voice. And that voice says that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Are you filthy? So are the Jews. And what did God do? He saved many thousands of them. Have you committed murder? Have you blasphemed the name of Christ? So did they. And God saved them. God still saves them. He perhaps has more yet to save as our confession teaches us. But what do we have to do? We have to call upon the name of the Lord. Now, you might say, I've called upon the name of the Lord, so there's no reason to be excited, right? Well, it all depends on what you mean by the word salvation. If you interpret it very narrowly, just to mean, I've got my get-out-of-hell-free card right here. Yeah, well, when there is nothing for you, nothing for you, beloved, just go home and watch your favorite sports event. But if you see salvation as deliverance from evil, oh, there is lost teeming in my heart and it keeps coming at me. What do I do? Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Get on your face. Call upon the name of the Lord. And because he is who he is, because he is the Lord, because he is the one Savior, because he is rich in mercy to those who call upon him, he will save you. Are you filled with worry? Call upon the name of the Lord. 
Do you not know how you're going to pay that bill for your auto repair or maybe to fix your washing machine? Call upon the name of the Lord because our Savior, He is also our provider. Are you an unbeliever? I've not confessed. I've not believed. I think I believe in my heart of hearts of hearts, but the rest of it hasn't really followed yet. Call upon the name of the Lord. Now. He is here right now. He's preaching his gospel now. He says, I will save you now. I will cleanse your filth now. I will make you righteous now. I will help you now. Mother, I will help you now. Father, I will help you now. I am the only Savior. There is no other. Look unto me. Call upon me. Don't be passive. Don't sit there like a dead log. Call upon me. Believe that I am the great I am of the Father. And I am the Savior of sinners. Brothers, have you wandered? He'll shepherd you back. Are you one of the ones we've looked, we looked at earlier? I've been there before too. Where iniquity abounds, the heart just grows cold. What did he do to the apostles? He, <clears throat> he breathed on them. And they received the Holy Spirit. He'll breathe on you. He has the fullness of grace. He has the Holy Spirit without measure. And he will share him with you. But please call upon him. Have you perhaps lost hope? Have you lost joy? Are you just kind of wandering around from one thing to the next? Call upon the name of the Lord and say, save me. Oh, Christ, save me. But make no delay. Because there he is. He hasn't budged. He's standing at the right hand of the Father, looking as the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And he is ready to hear you. He's ready to save you completely if you come to the Father through Christ. Remember what he said about the church. He didn't say this about the world. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Any man hears my voice and opens the door. I will come unto him and sup with him and he with me. But you've got to call upon the name of the Lord. And you've got to keep calling. You see, this puts prayer in a little bit different perspective. You know, as a Christian, you may be asking, what does that preacher think? I've heard this stuff for so many years. Does he think I'm lost? Does that preacher think I'm damned? Well... You may be, I don't know. I'm not the judge. But you've got to remember, prayer is not, well, you know, I've just checked that off my devotional list. I'm afraid that much of my life and what has passed for devotions has really been a waste of time. Just to make me feel better. Prayer, you need to put it in this perspective. I need to saving as a father. I need saving as a mother. I need saving as a husband. I need saving as a wife because I stink at both of them. I need saving as your servant. I need saving as a brother in Christ. I need saving in another way. And that is what prayer is. Prayer is not, well, I pray that God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Thank you. Amen. Let's go. Prayer is Lord. 
I need for you to save me here. I'm selfish. I'm prideful. I'm lustful. I'm a worrywart. I think I'm the worst of people. My tongue gossips. I can't keep my mouth shut. Or I'm just so infatuated with, I need somebody. I need someone to make me feel emotionally secure. There is no one, no wife, no husband can do for you what Jesus Christ will do for you. And that is to make you whole. Why? Because he alone is the Savior. And whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Please, beloved, call upon him. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. That's four zero eight eight six six five six zero seven. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB. That stands for Post Mailbox Number four zero two fourteen eighty four Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is nine five zero three two. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.